Good morning. Uh, Let me invite you to turn in your Bibles uh, to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. And I have to say, I always appreciate a pulpit that's not too tall. Thank you for that. Um, Some some places I've preached, you know, like a little kid of the candy store. Um, uh, As Danny said just a uh, a moment ago, my name is Davis Morgan. I'm the RUF campus minister in Hattiesburg at Southern Miss. So I serve the presbytery as essentially uh, an evangelist, a missionary to the college campus. Uh, So if you've never heard of RUF, RUF is Reformed University Fellowship. It's the denominational campus ministry of our denomination, the Presbyterian Church of America. Uh, And we're on some 140 or 50 campuses nationwide and even globally um, in places uh, like Prague and Lviv, Ukraine and Bogota um, and all over the United States. But you may know this, uh, it started in Hattiesburg, right here in the bounds of our presbytery at Southern Miss in 1972-73. We're coming up on our 50-year anniversary of ministry, and I'm in my fourth year there. Um, So it's been our family's privilege to serve college students uh, and to serve the gospel of Christ to them for the last three years now. Something I like to do uh, when I'm invited to preach in local churches um, is essentially just to, to share with you exactly what I share with college students. Uh, so this last spring in RUF, we, we teach through books of the Bible. Obviously, it, it looks a little bit different because the semester schedule doesn't always allow for a, a close verse-by-verse uh, walkthrough. Uh, but we went through the Gospel according to Mark this last spring. Uh, and so we're, we're going to look at a passage in Mark 1. Uh, so if you've ever wondered, if you've heard of RUF and ever wondered, what do they talk about there? Uh, you're about to hear it. So uh, Mark chapter 1, picking up in verse 40. We're going to read a short passage. It's familiar, I'm sure, to many of you. Even if you've never read the text itself, you're probably familiar with this story, this miracle that Jesus performs early in his ministry in Mark's account. It's the story of Jesus cleansing this leper. Again, Mark Chapter 1, beginning in verse 40. Mark writes, And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hands and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Amen. The grass withers, the flowers fade. The word of our God stands forever. Let's pray and ask God to teach us his words. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we pray um, as we give attention to your word that you would open our ears to hear it. That you would open our eyes to behold wonderful things in your word. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come down as you've promised and speak through me and in spite of me to bear witness to the truth 
of the words of life in this passage. We pray that we would, by your help, Holy Spirit, see Jesus. That we would see him glorious and beautiful and loving and gentle. That we would have our hearts gripped with the wonder of the gospel. With the wonder of your grace and your mercy. With the wonder of the righteousness of our Savior. And that we would be transformed. That we would not leave here the same as we have come. And that you would get all the glory for that. Would you do that, Father? We pray in your name. Amen. Well, uh, Danny mentioned this just a moment ago in his prayer. Um, It's been a little bit warm of late. You may have noticed uh, towards... 110 at, at times, uh, at least on the UV index. And I don't, I don't know about you, um, but we're going through a lot of ice cream in our house. Uh, we get the, the little single-serve vanilla ice creams. It's just right. You can just put out one little single-serve to, to soften. It's perfect. Um, those single-serves, by the way, are Bluebell in our family, at least. I don't know where you get your ice cream. That's your business. But we get Bluebell. And you may remember this, that that was a problem... In the summer of 2015. Do you remember this? Anybody else have the I Survived t-shirt? From the summer of 2015. When you could not get Bluebell ice cream. It was gone. It was not on the shelf. The Bluebell company missed an entire summer. Of selling ice cream. Does anybody know why? Because the factory. The plant in Texas that produces or, or, or distributes the Bluebell ice cream experienced an outbreak of the Listeria virus. Quick tip, you cannot eat ice cream that has Listeria virus in it. And you can't figure out which canisters have Listeria in it once they've been shipped out. So it all had to be recalled. Every single drop of that vanilla goodness had to be brought back and, I I guess, destroyed. And the Bluebell Company now is in the midst of paying, listen to this, $17 million. On top of the millions that they missed in sales that summer, $17 million in criminal penalties for this outbreak of Listeria virus. That is, friends, the cost of contamination for the Bluebell Ice Cream Company. Let's talk about a bigger contamination. Most of you in this room will be familiar with the name Chernobyl. 1986, the Chernobyl nuclear facility, which experienced a meltdown in Ukraine. And many of you know the story Uh, saw it on the news, or perhaps you've watched the HBO miniseries that they put out a couple of years ago, or you've just read about it in in history class. The only, I think, full-on meltdown, or the worst that's ever been experienced in human history that I'm aware of. And at the time, they may have updated these numbers, but what experts said was that ground zero of the Chernobyl crisis, where the actual explosion occurred, the next time that that piece of of land will be free of contamination, the next time it will be habitable by human civilization, 20,000 years. 
20,000 years. That's the next time that that contamination will be uh, cleared. That is the cost of contamination. Friends, this is a passage about contamination. It's a passage about our need and this leper's need for cleansing of a contaminant. And what the Holy Spirit is doing in this passage is showing us through this leopard who is all of us how we all have this need, this driving longing to be made clean because we all have this innate sense of contamination. What the Holy Spirit is doing through this passage is showing us, friends, you and me, that Jesus is the only one who can cleanse us. That Jesus is the only one who can cleanse us of our contamination and that he is both willing and able. So what we're going to talk about this morning, very briefly, quickly, our need for cleansing and the one who cleanses us. Very simple outline. If you need to leave, you've got the outline for the sermon. Our need for cleansing and the one who cleanses us. Okay, so our need for cleansing. So this leper approaches Jesus, begging him to be made clean in the opening verses. He knows that Jesus can make him clean. And and he cries out, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And obviously he knows he's unclean. He's a leper. Uh, He would have looked unclean. He would have, in the culture of the day, been forced to wear rags... Uh, to let his hair grow out and look shaggy so that it was very obvious, possibly to ring a bell and warn people in this, in the, uh, who, who came near him, unclean, unclean, you, you can't come near me. But that probably wouldn't have been necessary because his body would have shown it. He would have been decayed. There would have been loss of extremities in his body. His ears, his nose, his fingers, his toes would have shown the horrible effects of leprosy. It's possible, scholars argue, uh, that if the leprosy was far progressed, it could have even gone down his throat and attacked his vocal cords. So that it's very possible, as this man cries out to Jesus, that he actually sounds like a growling animal. He's unclean. Because this is the powerful image of leprosy. This is why the scriptures use leprosy as an image of sin, of what sin does, because leprosy does to our physical bodies what sin does to our entire being. Which is that in the midst of being alive, it causes death to come to, to be at work. Right? It causes you, as you're still alive, to decompose. And if you follow the thread of sin, if you follow any habitual sin, any societal, institutional sin, any personal family sin, you will see it slowly working death in the midst of life. That's why scripture always uses leprosy as this image of what sin has done to, God good, to God's good creation. And so he had to be ostracized. He had to be a leper. And we, in our day, in in our modern moment, we have our own lepers, don't we? They may not be physical lepers, but we have those who we send away and say, you cannot be part of this community. Because this stain cannot be removed. You can't cleanse yourself of this, no matter how hard you try. It's like Lady Macbeth. 
in the Shakespeare play. Right? You may have, been, may have not been forced to read Shakespeare for quite some time. Or maybe you are about to be forced this coming school year. I don't know. But Lady Macbeth, you may remember, essentially puts her husband up to murder. Uh, uh, goads him. Uh, coaxes him into murdering the king so that he can become the king, so that she can have a a proximity to power. And as the play goes on, she has this vision of blood on her hands that she can't get rid of. And she sees it and she washes and she scrubs and she scrapes and she can't wash the blood off her hands. And she slowly goes mad. She slowly slips out of sanity and she, she screams in one spot in the play, out, damned spot, and she scrubs and scrapes. And in the final moments of her life, before she literally takes her own life for having this contamination eat her alive, she says in her final speech, listen to this, quote, my bones ache from carting guilt around. Listen to that again. My bones ache from carting guilt around. Friends, do your bones ache this morning? Maybe you're like Lady Macbeth and your bones ache and maybe your hands ache from trying to scrub the contamination away, from trying to scrub away the stain of sin. And it sounds like this, if I can just get that promotion, if I can just make partner, if I can just refinance my house, if I can just get that boy or girl to notice me, if I can just put to death this sin in my life, if I can just come to church more often, if I can just get my kids to turn out right, if I can just get out of debt and start saving, if I can just get my parents to say they're proud of me. It could be anything. This, for, for the record, friends, this is why right now uh, people are screaming at their televisions over college baseball. Because we will go to anything to try desperately to scrub the stain away. It's why fathers yell at umpires at Little League games. Because we will take anything and try to make it the cleanser. We try to clean ourselves up with everything, with our jobs, with our bodies, with our children, with our diets, with our marriages, with our achievements, with our reputations, with our credit scores, with our sports, with our schools, with our vacations, with booze, with pills, with education. And at the end of of it all, it doesn't work, does it? You know this. None of it works. And we look like a baby trying to change its own diaper. Friends, here's the point. This world and this community is filled with people whose bones ache from carting guilt around and who are desperately trying to clean themselves up. Friends, this room is full of people whose bones ache who are desperately trying to clean themselves up. And so what the Holy Spirit may be doing for you this morning as you listen to this passage is inviting you to cry out with this man, Jesus, I am a leper. 
I'm a leper, and if you don't have mercy upon me, Jesus, then even in 20,000 years, I will never be cleansed of my contamination. I will never be free because I can't clean it up, Jesus. Only you can. Friends, have you ever or lately confessed the contamination and come to Jesus as a leper and said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. That's what this passage is inviting us to do. So that's our need for cleansing. And now let's talk about the one who cleanses us. First, I want to mention the why of cleansing. Uh, Notice the first thing we learn about Jesus in this passage, after this leper cries out and says, if you are willing, you can make me clean, it says that Jesus is moved with pity. Your translation may say compassion. It may say that he was indignant. Uh, if, uh, if you have an old King James uh, version, it might say uh, that, that he's filled with compassion. Uh, an old version might even mention that, he's, uh, that his guts are turned over inside of him. Because that's the word in this passage that, it, that, it, that translators are groping towards with this word pity and compassion. It's the word that actually refers to the intestines. It's the word for the guts. It's, what it means, friends, is that at Jesus' core, at the center of him, when he sees your sin, what comes out of him is pity and compassion. What comes out of him, the driving force in the incarnation, in his entire earthly ministry, in his death and resurrection, and what is now at work in his heart at the Father's right hand is pity. It's compassion. One writer says it this way, The sins of those who belong to God open the floodgates of his heart of compassion for us. The dam breaks. It is not, listen to this, friends, it is not our loveliness that wins his love. It is our unloveliness. It is not our loveliness that wins his love. It is our unloveliness. Another Puritan said it this way, He sheds tears for those who shed his blood. Look, that, that's the why of cleansing. Because Jesus is moved with compassion. But then the what of cleansing. Notice that Jesus doesn't just sort of give him a, a, a happy smile and say, man, I hope things really work out for you. He doesn't just look at him and say, like, I hope that gets better. Because all the compassion in the world from Jesus wouldn't do us much good if he didn't also have the power to do something. So what does Jesus' compassion move him to do? Friends, he touches him. He stretches out his hands and touches this untouchable person. He stretches out his hands and lays his hand on him. And what was expected culturally at that point, right, is that the leprosy now spreads to Jesus. But what happens? Jesus' cleanness spreads to the leprosy. And this man's cleansed. And he says, I am willing to be clean. The leprosy, it says, immediately left him. Immediately It was gone. In a split second, this disease had faded away. 
You see, Jesus is not only willing, he's able. He is, like the hymn says, full of pity joined with power. He is able. He is able. He is willing. Doubt no more. He has the power to cleanse us and the power to restore us. And it's that power that Jesus is always using in his ministry to redeem unworthy outcasts. One writer says it this way, time and again it is the morally disgusting, the socially reviled, the inexcusable and the undeserving who do not simply receive Christ's mercy, but to whom Christ most naturally gravitates. Okay, so there's the why of cleansing, the, the, the what of cleansing. But then there's, about half of this passage then is after that action takes place. And Jesus And Mark records it. Jesus tells him to go show himself to the priest and to offer the sacrifice, to offer what Moses commanded for the cleansing. Um, You know, I've always wondered, why does Mark bother to record that? Even more than that, why does Jesus bother to tell him to go to the priest? He's already cleansed him. What difference does it make? What difference does it make, friends? And this is what it does. This is the difference it makes. Is that by showing himself to the priest, this leper is now able to return to his home. You see, he, doesn't, he has a twofold problem, this leper, who's all of us, again. He doesn't just have an uncleanness problem. He has an outsideness problem. You see, the cost of contamination for this leper is not just that he is unclean, but that he cannot live in his home. Listen to what the book of Leviticus prescribes for lepers. Quote, he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. You see, it's not just our uncleanness. It's our, it's our outsideness. And in this leper, we see not just our problem of being unclean, but also our problem of being exiled. And that theme of exile runs straight through all of Scripture. It's what Adam and Eve experience the minute they fall into sin in the garden. And then all of a sudden, they're out of the garden. They can't come into God's good garden anymore. It's what was carved onto the, the architecture of God's temple. You may remember the chapters in, early in 1 Kings when they're building the temple. Uh, and it mimics uh, passages from Exodus and Leviticus that talk about the building of the tabernacle. And it's full of these pomegranates and, and lilies and latticework and almond clusters and all of these things. Why? Why all these things and why does it need to be in Scripture? Because it's garden imagery. It's a picture of the Garden of Eden. So that when you come into the temple, what you see is God exists in a beautiful garden. And once upon a time, human beings were in that garden. But now, because of the, the, sin, because of the cost of sin, exile. And when an Israelite brought a lamb to sacrifice, the message was, this is now what it takes to get back home. This is what it takes to come out of exile and go back into God's good garden. To be with him again, it takes the blood of a spotless sacrifice. 
You see, this leper is not just showing us our uncleanness. He's showing us our exile. And that exile is what Jesus came to deal with as much as our sin. Look, that's a picture of all of us. It's a picture of all of us. There was a man named Neil White uh, who in 1994 was sentenced to 18 months in prison for bank fraud. And just before his sentence began, uh, the judge informed him that rather than being sent to a traditional prison, a federal uh, incarceration uh, facility, he instead was going to be sent to Carville, Louisiana to serve his time in the last remaining leper asylum in the continental United States. Neil White wrote about his time in the asylum in a memoir called In the Sanctuary of Outcasts. And he describes a woman he met there named Ella Bounds. Ella Bounds was an African-American woman who had been in Carville almost all of her life. Due to the effects of her leprosy, she had no legs. and She got around using an antique wooden wheelchair. Uh, her leprosy had been diagnosed when she was 19 years, when she was 9, excuse me, years old, very young, 9 years old, by a doctor at her elementary school. And the way in those days uh, that lepers were brought to the leper asylum is that bounty hunters would uh, collect them for a fee. They would go from Louisiana to wherever the leper was and bring them. So imagine as a nine-year-old being taken away from your family, from your home, from your school, from the friends you knew, from everything that you were familiar with by a bounty hunter whose job was to bring you to this place of outcast, to this place of exile. And Ella told Neil White that when, she, when the news got out that that was happening, boys at school would begin to tease her. And they'd point their finger and say, Ella, that bounty hunter's going to get you. The bounty hunter's going to get you and take you away. Y'all, why we need this passage, why we need Jesus telling this man to show himself to the priest is because we're all elebounds. And we all have the secret voice in our hearts telling us the bounty hunter is going to come get you and take you away. Because we all have this inner sense of exile. We all know since Adam and Eve that we are outside of something that was meant to be our home. We all have this innate sense of losing home. It's why you're homesick everywhere. You ever notice that? You, you can be in the best moment in your own home and still feel that there is a home that I'm not in. It's why you're lonely everywhere. It's why enough is never enough. It's why you think you're never enough. It's why you're nostalgic about everything. It's why people cry at the Grand Canyon. It's why you cry at Christmas time when children's choirs sing Silent Night. It's not because we're sentimental. It is not because we're sappy. It's because in that moment, something is reminding us that we long for home. That we long to be brought home from exile. Listen to what C.S. Lewis says about this feeling. Our lifelong nostalgia... Our longing to be reunited with something in the universe from which we feel cut off, to be on the inside of some door which we have always seen from the outside. 
is no mere neurotic fancy, but the truest index of our real situation. And to be at last summoned inside would be both glory and honor beyond all our merits and also the healing of that old ache. Friends, do you feel the ache this morning? The ache not just of our uncleanness, but of our outsideness, of our exile, of our homesickness, of our longing for restoration, of our longing for Eden. Our longing for the new heavens and the new earth. Lewis puts his finger right on it. That's what Jesus came to deal with, not just our contamination, but our exile. And so he tells this man to go show himself to the priest and offer what, the, what Moses commanded. Do you know what Moses did command? This is where we'll close, friends. I read you just a moment ago from Leviticus 13 uh, the instructions for the leper to live outside the camp as long as he was unclean. Leviticus 14 tells us what the priests were to do if a leper was cleansed. The leper was to bring two doves And the priest would slaughter the first dove. And then he would take the second dove. And he would dip it in the blood of the slaughtered dove. And then that dove would be set free. And the blood would be sprinkled on the leper. And he would be allowed to return home. To his family. To his community. To his house. Because he was dipped in the blood of the slaughtered dove. Friends, do you see it? Jesus is the slaughtered dove. Jesus is the slaughtered dove, and the leper and us are the second dove who flies away free, who is allowed to be set free because the blood of cleansing is on them. How does Jesus take away our exile? Friends, Jesus takes away our exile by bearing it in himself on the cross. Because on the cross, Jesus became the slaughtered dove. On the cross, Jesus became the exile. On the cross, Jesus became the leper so that we could be cleansed. On the cross, Jesus became filthy so that we could be clean. He bore our shame so that we could bear the clothes of his righteousness. On the cross, he was cast out, not just out of the city, but out of the Father's love, which he had enjoyed from all eternity so that you and I could be called children of God. Beloved, Jesus received the curse and the exile so that you and I could be brought home and showered with blessing. That's how Jesus takes away our exile. Friends, We're all the leper, and we need cleansing that only Jesus can give us. That's an invitation. Let's pray. King Jesus, uh, we pray that by considering your word this morning, uh, that we would come more and more to see you as the slaughtered dove who has made a way for us to not only be cleansed, but to be brought home, to be set free from the constraints and the contaminants of sin. Lord Jesus, I pray that if I've said anything amiss, that you would hide my words behind the cross, 
that we would take away only that which is of you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the cross. We thank you that you have cleansed us with your blood and righteousness. Now receive our praise, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.